discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same, we are constant. God is constant, God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boati as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to welcome you to this beautiful Sunday morning service. I understand it's Father's Day. I want to wish all fathers a happy Father's Day. And all potential fathers a happy Father's Day as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's a blessing to be alive. It's a blessing to be hearing these things that God is, you know, sharing with us through his word. And uh, I know we've learned so many things already. And uh, this morning I'm going to be adding some more to it. And I believe that you're going to be blessed. I believe that you're going to be, you're going to increase. You're going to have great spiritual understanding even as the word comes to you right now in Jesus' name. I want us to start with a word of prayer and then we'll continue. Father, thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of the Word that are working practically this morning. Thank you, Father, for great grace ministered to every one of us listening and watching in the name of the Lord Jesus. Listening on radio, watching on TV, on our screens, whichever means, Lord. Thank you, Father, that great grace ministered to all of us in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you that these words are working in our spirits, working in our hearts, working in our souls, consistently and continuously. And thank you that we produce fruits and results on every side of our lives through this word that you're sharing with us, even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so this morning, I want to continue concerning um, the factors for growth. Remember, we are still sharing concerning what to do with the first coming of Christ. And uh, the very first thing I mentioned as to um, what we should do with the first coming of Christ or what God expects of us is for us to awaken to the fatherhood of God. And if you remember, I said so many beautiful things concerning that. A lot of people out to date do not know that God has become their father and that God, God is concerned about them. God cares about them. The Bible says that he cares for you watchfully and cares about you affectionately. You know, so... God doesn't joke with you at all. You must awaken to the fatherhood of God. You must awaken to the reality of who you have become in Christ. The fact that you are a child of God now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we are all his children through Christ Jesus. Do you see? So that's the first thing that you need to become conscious of and awaken to. Okay. And the second thing I mentioned is actually what we are still on. There are a number of things, but I'll just, you know, go on to the third point. I'm sure probably on Wednesday or on Sunday. And then we'll bring this part to an end. Then we'll continue with something else. But this um, morning, I'd like to share concerning the, the fourth thing, that the fourth factor for spiritual growth. Remember, the second thing I mentioned concerning what we should do with the first coming was to awaken to the reality, the importance of our spiritual growth, isn't it? Yeah. The importance of growing up spiritually, you know, and the importance of knowing that you're actually being prepared be presented unto him on that day. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, so I've been sharing concerning six factors for spiritual growth. I've mentioned the fact that you need to be to find your spiritual nuclear family and then plant yourself in that particular nuclear family. Okay? I think I shared so many beautiful things along that line that you need to listen to to help you if you haven't listened. Even if you've listened to it already or you participated in that service, it doesn't spoil anything to continue listening. It's very important you listen and listen once again. He says, once has he spoken, twice have I heard. Meaning that you should hear a message, every message at least twice. Amazing. Then there's the second thing I mentioned was the food, how that the word of God is food. You need food to grow. You need to be born to parents, and then you need food to grow. You see. Then I mentioned uh, on, the, on the last service that we had, that was on Wednesday, I mentioned concerning how important water is uh, as a part of what you need for your growth, naturally speaking and spiritually speaking. And I define the water as what? As the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I remember talking about drinking of the Spirit, isn't it? Yeah. The more you drink, the more you grow in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I shared too many wonderful things on that line too. But this morning, I want to share concerning the fourth factor, which is air. Wow. Air. Air. You know, you need oxygen. I don't know if you... you do you think it's important that you have oxygen in your system? Yeah. Yes. It's too important. Without oxygen, you will not be, you will not be alive. You need air. And air, amazingly, is needed for your growth. The more you breathe, the more you grow. Can you imagine? If you are not breathing, your life has ended. You know, so you need oxygen for practically all of life's processes. There are various processes that um, um, involve the human life. There's locomotion. There's uh, digestion. There are so many things, you know respiration, all kinds of things. And almost all of them require oxygen. Without oxygen, you can't, you know, you can't grow. You can't live and you can't grow. The food we eat must be digested and broken into molecules that can be absorbed by the system, by our body, you know, absorbed into our body. And you need oxygen. You know, every cell has something in there called a mitochondria which needs uh, uh, oxygen in order to be able to produce the energy it's supposed to have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those of you who are not, the accidents are worried. Don't worry, it's not so important. You're not, an, you're not a, we are not scientists, so don't worry about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in the Bible, we, we get to know that the person of the Holy Spirit is the air we need to grow up spiritually. So the Holy Spirit is not only water, he's also air. He's also the air that you need. And if you read in John chapter 3 from verse 5, you see in John 35, Jesus said some very nice things over there in John chapter 35, verse 5. He says, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. He was, Jesus was talking to the Codemus, remember. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Next verse. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Verse 8, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest a sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. Then he says, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Wow. He says, everyone that is born of the Spirit is like the wind that bloweth where it listeth, wherever it wants to go. You can tell, you can hear the sound, but you can't tell where it's coming from and you can't tell where it's going. It's not, isn't it amazing? So well, as soon as you're born, born again, you're actually born of the Spirit. 
and you begin to exhibit the qualities of the Spirit, the air-like qualities of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the word Spirit in the Greek is pneuma. P-N-E-U-M-A. And actually, pneuma means air. So when we say Holy Spirit, we are talking about holy air. Isn't that amazing? So the Holy Spirit is actually the air. He's the air that you need. He's the air that you require for your spiritual growth, for your spiritual development. You can take in the food, but without the air, you will not get the essence of the food getting into the into your body, into your system. It's amazing. It plays a major role, you know, in our growth, in our spiritual growth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you read in the Bible, you see something that Jesus said. Jesus said something in John. 15 verse 5. I want us to look at John chapter 15 verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Then he went on to say, for without me you can do nothing. Without me you can do what? Nothing. I mean, out of all the factors you can think about, air is what you can't do. You can do without a because a lot of people are doing without a spiritual nuclear family. There are a lot of Christians who are moving around without that. Amazingly. There are a lot of Christians who are not eating right. You know, they are not eating right. They are not eating, they are not eating right. But they are still existing. Everything is fine. But there's something that you cannot live without. And that something is the, the air that we breathe. Okay? So Jesus said in this scripture, in John 55, he says, for without me, you can do nothing. Meaning that as he was alive, whilst he was alive here on earth with the disciples, he was the means by which the disciples were living. That was why they were so worried when he said he was going to die. Peter was not, was not happy at all. He told him, what do you mean by you are going to die? You are too young. You should be confessing positively. You taught, about, you, taught, you taught us about positive confessions. So how come you are talking like this? You know, he was not happy at all because they, they were living by him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were living by him. And when Jesus said he was going, he said something to the disciples that I will not, just as I have been a, a helper for you and I've been with you and, and you've lived by me, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who is going to live and dwell with you forever. Look at John chapter 14, verse 15. John fourteen fifteen. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I'll pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Another comforter. The word another there is alus. It means another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. You see, someone can be wearing um, a, a dress that looks like a blue suit like I'm wearing. Check, a blue checked suit like I'm wearing. But it may not have the same pattern. It may not be the same size. It may have the same pattern. It may be a different size. Do you see? If it has the same pattern and the sizes are different, the Greek would not call it just another. There are two words for another in the Bible. There's heteros and then there's alus. Okay? So if the suit is, it has the same, um, whatever, look, but they're not the same size, it's actually heteros. It's another of a different kind. If it's going to be an alus or another of the same kind, it must be, it must be, have the same color, the same pattern, the same size, the same everything. Same everything. Do you see? So Jesus said that, I will not leave you comfortless. He says, I, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. I will pray the Father and he shall give you alus. Alus paracletus. 
The word comforter there is paracletos. It means helper, comforter, counselor. I'll, I'll give you another comforter. Okay? Then he says, who shall abide with you forever? In other words, the Holy Spirit looks like Jesus. He talks like Jesus. He does everything like Jesus. In other words, the Holy Spirit is actually Jesus unlimited. Wow. Jesus was limited with his, by his body. But the Holy Spirit is Jesus unlimited by any physical body. Amazing. So all that Jesus was to the disciples and beyond, the Holy Spirit is to us. So when Jesus said, without me, you cannot do anything. What he was also saying was that without the Holy Spirit, you cannot do anything. Brothers and sisters, without the Holy Spirit, there is no Christian life. The Christian life cannot work without the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Without the Holy Spirit, the Christian life cannot work. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the great paraclete. He's a great, he's a great helper. He's the greatest need that a Christian has in his life. <laughs> it's amazing. Look at, let's go back to John chapter 14. Um, let's read from verse 15 once again. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, not for some few days, not for some few seconds, forever, because you need him. Next verse. Then he says, even the spirit of truth, just to make you know he's not talking about somebody else. He lets you know who he's talking about. Okay? He says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Isn't it not amazing? So Jesus left us in the hands of the Holy Spirit, without whom we can do nothing. The Holy Spirit is our great paraclete, without whom it is impossible to live the Christian life. Now, go back to verse 16 and let me show you something. Verse 16. He says, and I'll pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. I just explained the word another for you. And I was trying to explain the word comforter to you. You know, the word, the Greek word for the word comforter is parakletos. P-A-R-A-K-L-E-T-O-S. Parakletos. Okay? P-A-R-A-K-L-E-T-O-S. Parakletos. And it means so many things. You know, the, the English is limited in its definition, in its, in its definitions or in its words. One thing in the English can stand for so many things. In the, the, uh, one thing in, in Greek, rather, can stand for so many things in the English. Yeah. Because the Greek language is richer than the English language. So this particular word, parakletos, which was translated as comforter in, in the King James, if you look at the, the amplifier, the amplifier shows you the various, you know, things that represents. Okay? Yeah. So go, go to the amplifier. It says, and I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Then he starts explaining what the another comfort, the word comforter is. He's counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby that he may remain with you forever. So the Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's your counselor. He's your helper. He's your intercessor. He's your advocate or your lawyer. He's your strengthener and your standby. This is what he represents in your life. I mean, if these things are extracted from your life, can you imagine living a life without help? 
without anybody who can intercede on your behalf, without anyone who can counsel you, without anyone who can comfort you, you are in trouble. Without anyone who can strengthen you. You see? And the Holy Spirit is all of this for a child of God, for a Christian. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is the administrator of everything that God has and everything that God owns. The Holy Spirit is too important. I mean, without him, nothing can happen. Like I said, without him, there's no Christian life. Remember, the Christian life is born out of him. We just read it in John chapter 3. Jesus said that, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. GC. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So we are actually born of the spirit. We come, we came out of the spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We came out of the wombs of the Holy Ghost. In First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Look at First Corinthians 12, 13. He says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. By one spirit are we all immersed. The word baptized is to be immersed into something. You know, it's, as soon as you, you, you get born again, you're actually immersed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives birth to you. We come out of the womb of the Spirit, you see, and are placed into the body of Christ. We are immersed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. We are encased in the Holy Spirit, you know, um, before our new birth. And he, he pushes us into being for us to be born again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you cannot do with him. The Christian life started with him, and he has to continue with him. He's the air that we breathe, spiritually speaking. And you need to breathe in order to grow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So like I was saying earlier, he's our strengthener, he's our standby, he's our intercessor, he's our helper. He's all of these things. And immediately you get born again, he comes into you as well. So after giving birth to you, he comes into you to come and stay and abide in you. Jesus said, he shall be with you forever. Do you see? He shall be with you forever. Let me show you some more along those lines. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, And I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Next verse, verse 17. It says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. He was dwelling with them in the presence of Jesus. Remember, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are not different. So he said, He's dwelling with you now, but he shall be in you. Very soon. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost entered. He had an opportunity to enter into, into human beings. And he has been in human beings all as well. As soon as you become born again, the Holy Spirit makes his abode in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, so many I think I shared some with you the last time. When the Bible talks about greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's talking about the Holy Spirit who is in you. Jesus is in us by the agency or by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus cannot be in us because location-wise, physically speaking, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But he's in our hearts. How? How is he in our hearts? How is he in our spirits? He's in our spirits by the agency or by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So in 1 John 4, 4, when he says, Ye of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the greater one who is in you. He is the greater one who is in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to John chapter 14, verse 26. I'm sure you like this. John 14, 26. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, 
whatsoever I have said unto you. So he comes into you with the purpose of teaching you, with the purpose of interceding for you, with the purpose of helping you, with the purpose of helping you live the Christian life, helping you become whom God has designed for you to become. That's his purpose in your life. And like I said earlier, he is the administrator of everything God. Everything God is administered or given by the Holy Spirit is passed on to us by the Holy Spirit. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's read from um, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 6, 16. It says, What? Knowing not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body, for two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Is one spirit. We are joined unto the Lord, and now we have become one spirit. We are now one with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look, keep your finger here. Go to 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Let's read in the, ampl- in the Amplified. I'm just showing you how that the Holy Ghost is inside you. By the new birth. It says, for if I pray in a known tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. But my mind is unfruitful, unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. For if I pray in a known tongue, my spirit by the Holy Ghost within me, by the Holy Spirit within me prays. So the Holy Spirit is inside. He's inside. He's not outside. He's inside. Immediately you come born again, he comes in there. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 9. I showed you this last Wednesday. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Then he says, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, the Holy Ghost dwell in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of Christ. He's the spirit of Christ. Go to the next verse. Verse 10. Then he says, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Wow. wow. Next verse. It's so nice. Then he says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So there's no shadow of doubt that the Holy Ghost is inside. The Holy Spirit is inside. At the new birth, he comes into you and he stays in you. For a certain purpose. And that's what I'm showing you. He stays in you for the purpose of interceding for you. For the purpose of helping you. For the purpose of teaching you. I showed you this. He shall teach you all things. For the purpose of teaching you. For the purpose of, of being a standby. Like a standby generator. So that when the, when the light goes off, the generator can come on. When you are out of strength, out of everything, he's there to strengthen you. Do you see? That's what the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Go to John chapter 16. Let's read verse 14. John chapter 16. Let's read from verse 12. I think it will be nice from verse 12. John 16, 12. It says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. This is just talking to the disciples. I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he says, he will guide you into all truth. Into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit has a ministry in our lives of guiding us into all truth. The word truth is reality. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. He's the one who shows you who Jesus is. Truth is Christ. Jesus is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the guide that leads you to finding out the truth. To finding out more about Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He will guide you. So he's called the spirit of guidance. He guides you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He shall show you things to come. So he has a ministry of showing you things to come. He has a ministry of showing you the future. 
Can you imagine having someone who can show you about the future? Show you about your future, about the future of others, about the future of your business, about the future of your, your marriage, your children. He can show you all truth. He can show you all reality. He says, and he will show you things to come. He will show you the future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, what can you do without the Holy Spirit? It's not possible. You will live an ordinary life without the Holy Spirit. So he's a need. He's the air that you need for your life. Just imagine going through life without guidance. No guidance. No. No guidance. You just, you just move blindly. Jesus said that I am the light of the world. He that has me has a light of life and shall not walk in darkness. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 12. Then speak Jesus again. John 8 12. Then speak Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followed me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Shall have the light of life. He shall not walk in darkness. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to make this real in your life. For you not to walk in darkness. He will lead you into reality. Jesus said that, I am the light of the world. He that followed me. He, he, the Holy Spirit is the one to help you follow Jesus. Mm, mm. He's the one to help you follow Jesus. So that you don't walk in darkness in life. Wow. You will not choose the, the wrong person as a wife. Hey. You will not choose the wrong person as a husband. Hey. You will not choose to be in the wrong business. Hey. And have trouble in the future. Because of his guidance in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me show you some more. Sure. Like I said, he is the... He is the administrator of everything God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the administrator of everything God. Everything God gives is administered, is made real. He's called the spirit of reality, remember. He makes everything that is spiritual real to you. Without him, it's not possible. I mean, wisdom cannot be seen with the physical eyes. Grace cannot be seen with the physical eyes. Glory cannot be seen with the physical eyes. Knowledge cannot be seen with the physical eyes. <laughs> Power, strength, might, all those things cannot be seen with the physical eyes. These are all spiritual things that are communicated by God. The Holy Spirit is the administrator. He makes it real in your life. So he's referred to as a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Ephesians 1, 17. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, this is Paul praying for the Ephesian church, says, I'm praying that God may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Wisdom and revelation is actually a spirit. Okay? Yeah. In other words, the, the Holy Ghost is in charge of it. That's what he's trying to let you know. He's in charge of it. And he can make wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God real to you. He yeah. can open the knowledge of God, the word of God to you. Without him, you cannot, there's no understanding of the word of God. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't even combine the scriptures. It's not possible. You read the scriptures and think about it like a philosopher. But the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it real in your life. He's the one who makes it real. He's the spirit of wisdom. He's the communicator of wisdom. If you're going to increase in wisdom, it's going to be by the Holy Ghost. If you're going to increase in revelation of God's word, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. Like I said, there's no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, Settle it in your heart. There's no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's called the Spirit of, of Grace. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. I'm showing you various things that the Holy Spirit administers. He administers wisdom. He administers revelation. Okay, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's read from verse 9. Let me show you more about the, about revelation. Okay? Yes, revelation. 
First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. I don't know if you are seeing it. It's, go back to verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So there are things that God has prepared for you because you love him. There are many things God has prepared for you because of your love for him. Do you see? Then he says, no eye has seen it, no ear has heard it, no mind has, it hasn't gone into any, got into any, any man's heart. What God has prepared for you. Verse 10. Then he says, but God has revealed them unto us. How? By his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of revelation, who reveals unto you the hidden things concerning your life. The things that God has prepared for you are revealed to you by the ministry, by the agency of the Holy Ghost. Without him, you walk blind. Without him, you will not know all the things that God has prepared for you. It's not possible without him. <laughs> Jump to verse Corinthians 2.12. He says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Do you see? He makes the things that are freely given to us of God known to you. Without him, forget it. It's not going to work. And he's in you. Can you imagine he's in you? If he's in you, you should not lack wisdom. If he's in you, you should not lack revelation. If he's in you, you should not lack guidance in life. If he's in you, there's no lack of counsel. I'm counseled by the Holy Ghost. If it's in you, there's no lack of comfort. The Holy Ghost is my comforter. I do not lack comfort. I do not lack help because the Holy Spirit is my helper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in you. And he's in you to bring all these things to you. He's ready and willing to make these things available to you. But there's a part you need to play. You see, you need to bring, the air is available, it's in abundance. Air is in abundance. But if you close your nostrils, what will happen? If you close your nostrils and shut your mouth, you have trouble. So we live in the abundance of the ministry of the Holy Spirit because it's in us, with all of himself. This is the person of the Holy Ghost. Do you see? This is the person of the Holy Spirit. He's in us with all of himself, not part of himself. All that Jesus had in him is all that we have in us. Jesus does not have the Spirit by measure. Neither do we have the Spirit by measure. All of the Holy Ghost is in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is it not wonderful? It is. He's the spirit of wisdom. And he's the spirit of revelation. I do not lack wisdom. I do not lack. I'm guided in life. I'm guided in life. I know where to go. I know what to do. I know what to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a joy. What a joy. I'm helped. I do not lack help. Yeah, when I get to a place and I need help, the Holy Ghost will bring help. The Holy Ghost will help me. He's my helper in life. You know, there are some people who say, I don't have any help. You know, I don't have any help in life. You've, you've not been exposed to the ministry of the Holy Spirit yet. You are yet to be exposed to the ministry of the Holy Ghost. He's my help. Hallelujah. He's the Spirit of grace, I told you, right? Go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. The Spirit of grace. He says, of how much sorrow punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God 
and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the spirit of grace. So the Holy Ghost is the spirit of grace. Now, whenever you hear spirit of something, what he's trying to let you know is that he's the administrator of that thing. Do you understand? He's the one, he's the one who makes it available. So grace is made available and made real in a man's life through the agency of the Holy Ghost, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of grace. The Bible says grace and truth be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, who makes that grace real to you? The Holy Spirit. He is the administrator of the grace of God. If you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, look at it, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning that the grace is from, is from our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, and the love of God, the love is demonstrated. Remember, the Bible says, grace and truth came by Jesus. You see, grace came by Jesus Christ. And God so loved the world. So grace and peace, grace and love are things that come from the, from, from God the Father and God the Son. But then, those things are made available to you through the communion of the Holy Ghost. So he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion or the fellowship. I remember telling you about this one the last time. The communion of the Holy Ghost be with you or amen. amen. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the communicator of the grace of God. He's the communicator of the love of God. So he's called the spirit of love. Look at Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. He's all of these things. He makes all these things. Up. So I don't know how you are going to live the Christian life ignoring the Holy Ghost. I don't know how, is that, how that's going to work. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. If you take the Holy Spirit out, you have nothing left. Second Timothy 1 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. In other words, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but has given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So the Holy Spirit is the, Holy, is the spirit of power. He is the spirit of love and is the spirit of a sound mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You cannot go without him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's called the spirit of glory. He's the spirit in charge of the glory of God. <laughs> and you cannot experience the glory of God. You cannot have the glory of God show forth in your life in a consistent basis without the Holy Spirit. It's not going to work. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. He's the air that we breathe, brother. The Holy Ghost is the air that we breathe. He's the spiritual air you require for your growth. Wow. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory. Then it says, even us, by the Spirit of the Lord. The glo- we change from glory to glory, us by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the manager of the glory of God. <laughs> He's the manager of the glory of God. He presides over the glory of God and helps you increase in that glory. As time goes on. Look at the Amplified. I'm sure the Amplified will bring it out some more. He says, and all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Have you seen it? This comes from the Lord. This glory comes from the Lord. Who is the Spirit? Brother, you cannot do without him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the Spirit of knowledge, the Spirit of lordship, the Spirit of might, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel. Let's look at Isaiah. 
Isaiah chapter 11. Let's read from verse 1. He says, And there shall come forth the rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. This is called the seven spirits of God. If you read in the in Revelations, you see it. It talks about the seven spirits of God. You know, and the seven spirits of God are the spirit of the Lord, or the spirit of lordship, or the spirit of dominion. Then the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding. Then the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might or strength. That's why I said in the New Testament, he's referred to as, that's what the scripture stands for. Second Timothy 1, 7, which is that he has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. He's the spirit of power or the spirit of might. The spirit of might is actually the spirit of power. Do you see? Power working miracle. Miracle working power. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he's a spirit of dominion or lordship. Then he's a spirit of wisdom. He's a spirit of understanding. He's a spirit of counsel. The spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge. Knowledge. He's the administrator of the knowledge of God. Remember, he's a spirit of revelation, if you remember. He brings you into a revelation of God's word. You see, he's in charge of the knowledge of God. Can you imagine? And not just the knowledge of God. All types of knowledge. All types of knowledge. Scientific knowledge inclusive. <laughs> Remember, Christ is the embodiment of all wisdom and knowledge. If you read in Colossians chapter 2, let's look at it. I think you'll be interested. Colossians chapter 2, let's read from verse um, 2. Colossians 2, 2. It says, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ. Verse, verse 3, then it says, In whom, Christ, in whom I hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Who is Christ? When we say Christ, we are talking about Jesus and the Spirit. That's what we are talking about. When we say Christ in you, we are talking about Jesus and the Spirit. Jesus cannot be in you without the Holy Spirit. Wow. The word Christ is the anointed one and his anointing. His anointing is the Holy Ghost. And the anointed one is the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So in Christ, he says, in Christ dwells the, the treasures of all wisdom and knowledge. Look at, let's look at it in the Amplified. He says, in Christ, in him, all the treasures of divine wisdom, comprehensive insights into the ways and purposes of God, and all the riches of spiritual knowledge and enlightenment are stored up and lie hidden. He's the embodiment of the knowledge of God. That's why it's called the spirit of knowledge. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So all the knowledge you require for your life, that idea you need for your business. That idea you need for your job. That idea you need for your family. That strategy you require in life is all hidden in him. Why should you ignore such a person? Do you see you ignore such a person at your own peril? I tell you. He's a spirit in charge of spiritual growth. Can you imagine? He's a spirit in charge of what? Spiritual growth. I've told you what he's I told you he's the administrator of everything God. Everything God gives. He administrates it. And I'm showing you all these things. Do you see? I've shown you that he's our counselor. He's our advocate. He's our strengthener. He's our standby. He's the great divine paraclete. Okay? That's who he is. Now I'm showing you that he is the spirit in charge of spiritual growth. There is no spiritual growth without the Holy Spirit. Forget it. He is in charge. He is the administrator. Of spiritual growth. I want to show it to you. Romans chapter 8. 
verse 15. He's called the spirit of adoption. Okay? Romans 8, 15. He says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Look at the next verse, verse 16. The spirit itself, or himself, bears witness of that spirit, that we are the children of God. Go back to verse 15. Let me show it to you. He says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. It's the Holy Spirit is talking about. He says the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of what? Adoption. Now, the word adoption is heutasia. I've showed it to you before. The word heutasia is our growth from being born all the way to be, be, being placed as sons. If you remember. Yeah. Okay? Okay, the Amplified helps us. It says, for the spirit which you have now received is not the spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. The spirit producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father, hallelujah. hallelujah. So he calls him the spirit producing sonship. So he's the one who produces sons. <laughs> sons and daughters. He's a spirit in charge of producing. That's why I said he's a spirit in charge of spiritual growth. He's a spirit of adoption. And he's in us for the purpose of helping us grow. If you remember, I showed you a scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 20. Go to Ephesians 2, 20 and 21. Let's read it once again. He says, And I built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Verse 21. Then he says, In whom, in Christ, all the building fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. Then he says, In whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God. How? Through the Spirit. You are builded together for an habitation of God. How is that happening? Through the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who is in charge of the building, of your building, of your development, of your growth. If you ignore him, how can you grow? <laughs> Look at Galatians. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, all the way to verse 6. Galatians 4, 4. It says, but when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth a son, made of a woman, made under the law. Verse 5. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of a son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. He says, because you are sons, he has sent the spirit of a son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, to grow you. The word Abba is Father. It means Father. You see, Father, Father. He's the one who helps you notice and know that you're a child of God and helps you grow. He's the spirit-producing sonship. How can you live without him? How can you live without him? <laughs> it's impossible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember years ago I was preaching and I said it's impossible. It's impossible and cannot happen. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So how do we engage him as heir in order to grow spiritually? You see, he's all of these things. He's all of these things. Do you see? He's a spirit of knowledge, wisdom, revelation. Power, love, grace, glory. He's the spirit of peace. He's everything. There are so many things I can show you. He's the spirit of guidance. He's the spirit that teaches us. He's the teaching spirit. Do you see? That's what I read to you in John, John 14, 26. It says he shall teach you. He shall teach you. Go to that place. John 14, 26 in the King James. It says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father was sending in my name, he shall teach you all things. Do you know all things? All things is all things. He can teach you about business. He can teach you about marketing. He can teach you about engineering. He can teach you all things. 
You know, sometimes when we talk about some of these things, someone is thinking, oh, you teach me spiritual. No, that is, that is very obvious. That's so obvious. That's what that we know. You know, but there's more. He can teach you all. He can teach you how to marry and stay married. He can teach you all things. He can teach you how to raise your kids. What to do. And you cannot ignore him. How can you, how can you live without him? It's not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. You see. So the million dollar question is, how do I engage him? Because the Holy Spirit is in us at our new bed. But a lot of people, you can see clearly that this person lacks wisdom. You can see a Christian, a child of God, and you can see that, ah, this guy lacks wisdom. Meanwhile, Christ has made unto us wisdom. You can see someone who is messing up. Sin abounds. He can't help himself. Meanwhile, righteousness, he's a spirit of righteousness. That brings us into righteousness and aids us to live righteously. Do you see? Yeah. That's in 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Do you see? The Holy Spirit is all of these things. He's the administrator of righteousness. Without him, you can't, you can't understand your righteousness and you can't understand how to use your righteousness, the fact that you are the righteous of God, to overcome every single challenge that comes in terms of sin. You keep falling and falling and falling and falling because you've ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit who is in you. So the million dollar question is how? 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 How do I engage him in my life in order to grow? How do I engage him as heir in my life? Or as someone that is very important in my life to grow. All that you need to do is to recognize and follow his leadership in your life. Recognize and follow his leadership in your life. That's all you need to do. If you want to know how to engage him, all you need to do is to recognize and follow. You know, you must recognize that he's leading you. You must recognize his leadership in your life. Okay? And follow his leadership. Not just recognizing it, but you must go to the next step of following his leadership. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you read in Romans chapter 4, verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Look at Romans 8, 14. It says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. Meaning that it is not everyone who is a son of God. Understand, this, one, this word son here is not the same word as son in other places. It's not the same. Okay, go to um, 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. Let me show it to you. Look at 1 John 3 1. It says, but, it says Behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the word knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Now, the word sons here is different from the word sons in the other place I just showed you. Wow. This word here is technon. T-E-K-N-O-N. Technon. It means one who is born of God. And I shared it with you when I was was talking about the fatherhood of God, if you remember. So we are actually the sons of God. Born, bona fide children of God. That's the truth. But there's a difference between those who are born of God and those who are led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. The word sons over there is heels. The matured sons of God. Or the sons of God who are in training to rule with him. And growth is all about training to rule with him. That's what it means. So the word sons in Romans chapter 8 verse 14 
is different from the other one. Go to verse, go to verse 16. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself, this is Old King James, so we say itself, but it's actually himself. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Have you seen it? Yeah. This word children here is the same word as sons in 1 John 3, 1. Technon. Okay? So he's talking about the fact that we are now children of God. In the other place, behold, what man of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. That's how you should actually read. The children of God. Do you see? Huh. But the one in verse 14 has to do with becoming a matured son of God. One who is in training to be, to, to rule with Christ, to rule with God. So you see, as many as are led, if you are not led by the Spirit of God, you are not yet a son of God along that line, if you understand what I'm saying. You are born, you are a child of God. I, I understand that. But you are not in training. You are a child of God who is not in training to rule and reign. Remember, he's the one in charge of spiritual growth. And as soon as you start listening to him, you start growing. To become, to come to sonhood or sonship. Matured manhood. He brings you to the teleosis, the perfect man. He's the one who does that. And all those who are led by him, who allow his leading, are the ones who are coming into sonship. So there are Christians who are not led by the spirit. They are led by their minds. They are led by their feelings. They are led by their emotions. They are led by what people say around them. They are led by the world. Clearly, they are different from those who are led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you must, you must recognize the fact that He is ready to lead you. The Holy Spirit is ready to lead you in life. In life. Remember, He's all of these things. For what purpose? For the purpose of leading you in life. Leading you in every single thing that you do. All you need to do is to recognize. Is that difficult? Just recognize that, oh, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of help. He's my helper. Recognize that, confess that for yourself. And when the time comes and it whispers to you to do something, go ahead and do it. <laughs> that is where the difference is. Someone will say, something told me. You don't even know it's the Holy Spirit. You must know it's the Holy Spirit. Because you don't recognize him as a person in you and as a part of you, you forget that he's there. So you say, oh, something told me. I, uh, something told me I should do this. No. You know it was the Holy Spirit who told you to do this. Wow. Wow. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, but if you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. If you be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Can you imagine? So allow yourself to be led. The word led there, okay, in this place and in the other place, is the, the Greek word ago, A-G-O, with a dash on top of the O, ago. It's like a, a go in the English, right? It's different, okay? Ago, A-G-O. And it means to bring to the point of destination. To bring to the point of destination. Nobody starts a journey going nowhere. When you start a journey, you have a destination in mind. I moved from my house with this place in mind, that I was coming to this place. And when I got here, I got here, I parked and came to come and do what I'm doing now. Do you see? If you get into a car and they ask, where are you going? So oh, I don't know where I'm going. There's a problem. There's clearly a problem. You see, the Holy Spirit is in charge 
of bringing you to your destination. What is the destination that God is looking for? That you come onto the full stature of the measure of Christ. He's the one to bring you to that particular destination that God has designed for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all you need to do is what? Is to recognize and follow his leadership. Don't allow yourself, your flesh to lead you. Don't allow your world, the world to lead you. Because apart from the leadings of the Holy Spirit, the world and your flesh can lead you. And there are a lot of Christians who are led by their flesh. Let me show you some. Go to Romans chapter 8. Let's read from verse 5. It's a nice read because it's actually from there all the way to verse 14, 16, where I was reading to you. Okay? Let's read from verse 1 so that it makes more sense. Let's just read from verse 1. Romans 8 from verse 1. Let me take my time and explain these things to you. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, what does it mean to walk after the Spirit? To walk after the Spirit means to, be, to recognize the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. To recognize the ministry of the Holy Spirit and his leadership in your life. And to follow or respond to his leadership when he's leading you. That's what it means to walk after the Spirit. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. We are in the Spirit. But we must learn to walk after the Spirit. That is after the leadership. Do you understand? To lead means, is there's another definition for led. I just read one to you. Let me read the other one to you. I'm sure it will help you understand what we are trying to say. Okay? Okay, so go back to Romans, Romans chapter 8. We are, we are sitting in chapter 8. But this time I'll look at verse 14. If you have the interlinear with you in your Bible, you will notice what I'm going to share with you now. The Greek word is ago. For the word led, it's ago, A-G-O, like I mentioned, with the dash on top. And these are the definitions. The first one means to lead, to take with one. Then he starts explaining what he's talking about. So, point A under the first definition is to lead by laying hold of. And this way, to bring to the point of destination, then he says, of an animal. Can you imagine a goat, a cow, trying to make its way from... um? Accra to Kumasi. Like he says that I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey. I'm, uh, I'm going to Accra. Okay, we are in Accra now, so I'm going to Kumasi. What do you think will happen to the, the cow as it's going? It will end up in a soup. It will become chichinga, it will become kebab. I tell you, that's what is going to happen. It cannot lead itself. It's not possible. A cow can knock him down. Something can happen. Just imagine a cow moving from Liverpool to Manchester. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's not even allowed. It's illegal for a cow to be walking on his own going like that. In some in those parts of the world, it's not, it's not possible. Do you see? So the next one, it says to lead by accompanying into a place. Then the next one says to lead with oneself. Attached to oneself or as an attachment. To conduct, to bring, to lead away, to court of justice, magistrate. Hallelujah. So what he's talking about is going before something. You see, if you're going to lead a cow, the cow will be behind you. If you've seen a shepherd before, yeah. you see that the cow, the sheep, and all of that are behind the, the, the shepherd. And as the shepherd goes, the cows follow. The sheep follow. That's what happens. So the Holy Spirit, when we say walk after the Spirit, what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit is walking in front of you, and you are walking after him. Do you understand? And that means that connotes the idea of leadership. That he's leading you in life. So all that we're going to talk about has to do with the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? Okay, so go back to Romans chapter 8, verse 1 now. Let's read it in the King James, please. 
There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Do you know in some renderings, the rest is not actually part. It's just, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Because that's the truth. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. There's, the word condemnation is judgment. And if you've read, look at John chapter 5, verse 24. John 5, 24. This is Jesus talking. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Have you seen it? Yeah. This is clear. I mean, he's passed from what? From death to life. He shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. So Paul was just re-echoing what Jesus said in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. So he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ? Yeah. There is no condemnation for you. There is no judgment for you. Wow. Wow. Uh-huh. However, if you are walking after the flesh, after the dictates of the flesh, that's what the Amplified will tell you. Look at the Amplified. There's therefore no condemnation, no judging guilty of wrong for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live and walk not after the dictates of the flesh, but after the dictates of the spirit. Have you seen it? Uh-huh. So the, the flesh can dictate to you. There are Christians who are led by their flesh. And because their flesh is leading them, they feel condemned. Meanwhile, they are not to be condemned. But because they have moved from walking, they are in the spirit. Because all of us are born in the spirit. And we stay in the spirit. If you fall, you fall in Mount Zion. We are all in Mount Zion. If you fall, you are falling in Mount Zion. You don't fall off Mount Zion. We, all, we are all in Mount Zion. But if you fall, you lose focus of where you are. You forget about your environment. You forget about your spiritual environment. And you start living according to the dictates of the flesh. And I'm going to show you what the flesh is. But let's go back to the King James. Oh, hallelujah. Go to verse 2. Then it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm going to preach about this particular verse to you one of these days. It's so powerful. There's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And that law has made all of us free from the law of sin and death. Next is verse 3. It says, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God, sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Next verse. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. You see, he adds that to us as though, if you don't walk after the spirit, the righteousness of the law might not be fulfilled in you. But this is something that's happened already. Are we not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? You mean the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. However, you will not see the practicality of it if you decide not to walk after the one who got you born again. But decide to walk after what you can see and feel. That's what he's talking about, basically. Okay? So, he says, who walk not after after the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse 5. For they that are after the, the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, do mind the things of the Spirit. So to be after the Spirit means to have your mind, do you see, on the things of the Spirit. So what is your mind engaged in and on in the course of the day? Where is your mind? That's why the renewal of the mind comes in. Renewal of the mind helps you to make sure that is the eating aspect. Helps you to make sure that your mind is on God. 
Your mind is on his word. Hallelujah. Let's read the Amplified. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. Can you imagine? It says they set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. Okay, probably you are wondering what's the flesh, flesh, flesh. Talking about flesh, what's all this flesh, flesh thing? Is he talking about my fiscal flesh or a goat's flesh or a cow flesh? Let me show it to you. Show us. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Let's read from verse 16. Oh, what a blessing. Since this I say then, walk in the spirit. It's the same as walking after the spirit. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what happens when you walk, you walk in the flesh? You will not fulfill the desires of the spirit. Do you see? Then it says, for the flesh lasteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Next verse. Then it says, but if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Verse 19. Then it says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. Mm. Fornication. Mm. Uncleanness. Mm. Lasciviousness. Mm. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Witchcraft is a work of the flesh. Mm. Witchcraft. Hatred. Variance. Emulations. Wrath. Strife. Seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. See, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God because entering the kingdom and inheriting the kingdom of God are two different things altogether. It is only sons who inherit the kingdom. Only matured sons are given the kingdom. They inherit it. We are heirs of God. And joined us together with Christ. There's a day of our coronation. Just as Christ walked this earth and did what he was supposed to do. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And has been crowned. Jesus has been crowned already. Yeah. Nobody can crown him. He's been crowned already. Yeah. That's why you shouldn't be singing that song. And crown him Lord of all. Okay. He's already crowned. Who is going to crown him again? Okay. He's been crowned. You can sing it differently. That he's been crowned. As Lord of all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But there's a day when you will be crowned. There's a day when you and I will be crowned. Do you see? And we are crowned only after we have been, al- we've been led by the Spirit. We've allowed the Holy Spirit to lead us in life. To lead us to green pastures. To lead us to, in every aspect of our lives. To lead us in help. To, lead us, to do what He wants to do with our lives. All you need to do is to recognize the fact that the Holy Spirit is in you to lead you. And start listening to his voice. Start following his leadership in your life. I'll show you the ways by which he leads us. I'm going to show it to you very soon. Okay? I'm going to show it to you very, very soon. Now, go back, go back to um, verse. Let's read from verse 19. Let's read it in the Amplified so that you understand some of the things. So, when I say flesh, walk after the flesh. That's what I'm talking about. You walk around with anger in your mind. You walk around with jealousy in your mind. Your neighbor bought a new car. Your neighbor got married. And you are not married. And they gave you, they gave you an invitation card. When they gave it to you, oh, 
it's nice, it's nice. As soon as the person left, what is all this? Lord, I've been asking of you for marriage all this while. You start complaining. And you start wishing ill for the other person. It will end in tears. You start saying that it will end in tears. It will not end in tears. <laughs> remember, remember, even if someone hurts you, stop praying. If you start praying some dangerous prayers of people, you should know that there's something wrong. Okay? Of course, the Holy Spirit can lead you to pray some dangerous prayers for some people. Remember, Jesus entered the temple. And he was led by the Spirit to make kings and lash all those people who were in there. He was led to call the Pharisees brood of vipers. Your father is a devil and it is his work that you shall do. He spoke harshly to them because he was led by the Holy Spirit to do that. Do you see? But you can't speak harshly to God's children and speak harshly when God has not, has not told you to say some things. You can't just be in a certain mood. It's like when you get angry now, then you start cursing. You are the cursing type. There's a problem. You are carnal. There's something wrong. Look at this. It's now the doings, practices of the flesh are clear, obvious. They are immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, sorcery. Hmm? I do you know idolatry. When you allow your phone, phones, a phone can be an idol for you. <laughs> when you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing you pick up? And what is the first thing you check in your life? And what do you keep checking throughout your, your day? It may be WhatsApp, it may be Facebook, it may be Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. You are on every hour you check. Every 30, 30 minutes you check. You check small. Then you, you laugh a little and then you put it down. Then you check small. There's no space for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. No space. The Holy Spirit has to force himself to speak to you through Instagram. Yes. yes. He has to force himself. Because he can't speak to you through his word. Amazingly. So that can be an idol. An idol is anything you have affection for. That, can, that makes an effort to replace God your life. You see. Then it says sorcery. Enmity. You, you as a Christian, you have an enemy. You have enemies. You can say, oh, this is my enemy. This one is my enemy. There's something wrong. Strife. Eh? Strife. Always striving about things. Jealousy. Anger. Ill temper. Selfishness. Divisions. Always causing divisions wherever you go. Party spirit. This is my party. Uh, faction, sex with peculiar opinions and heresies. This, are, this, this is our group. This is what we like. Like I was sharing the last time. Those, all those things are works of the flesh. You see, and he says that you can walk after the flesh, after the dictates of the flesh. What your body tells you to do is what you do. What your mind tells you to do is what you do. Remember, your body and your mind are actually against you. Your body and your mind are against you. That's why Jesus said that if one of your eyes is worrying you, take it out. It's better to enter into life than to enter with both eyes into, into a dangerous place. That's why Jesus said that. He says, cut. He's not talking about plucking your eyes out literally. Like if your eyes, is, is your eyes are always tempted to look at something, make sure your eyes, take your eyes off. Because your eyes, your flesh, can lead you away into something you're not supposed to be led into. And the Holy Spirit always makes, remember, he says that the Spirit lasts against the flesh. And the flesh against the spirit. There's always a, a fight as to who will have your attention at every single time in your life. You see, the Holy Spirit is always pushing to tell you something, to lead you the way he has designed for you to go. 
to lead you into green pastures, into prosperity, into the good life that God has designed for you. And your flesh is also pushing to pull you down. Paul said, I do not fight like one who beats the air. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read it from verse 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 27. It's from 24, but let's read from 27. It's good. Okay, go to verse 26. It says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so find I not as one that beateth. Let's read the Amplified. It's to be nice. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. See, he's talking about adversary. There are two adversaries that you have. Your own self, your own body, and your mind, and Satan. These are the two adversaries you have. In your attempt to grow up spiritually, your flesh, that, the first is your flesh. Your flesh will stand up against you and tell you that you are not going anywhere. You can see I want to fast. Your body will tell you that it is, it is not happening. It is not happening. Your body will show you who is Lord and who is King. Yeah, he will tell you that, brother, 9 a.m. we are eating, I tell you. You know, I have made plans to fast till 6 p.m. Your body will teach you a lesson. You must learn to tame your body, to discipline yourself. So Paul says that, therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. Verse 27. But like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I discipline it by hardships and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. Yeah. Because I know, I know my adversary. I know my enemy. If you are not careful, your body will sleep throughout. The Holy Ghost can wake you up. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, in his attempt to lead us, will wake us up at dawn. So you can have some times where the Holy Spirit will wake you up at 4 a.m. And then you wake up and you check your phone. And it's 4 a.m. like, why am I awake at 4 a.m.? What kind of demon is waking me up at 4 a.m.? And then you go back to bed. Do you see? You wake up and the Holy Spirit tell you, pick your Bible. You will hear it from within. Pick up. I'll show you what, how he talks to us. Pick up your Bible and read. You pick it up. I have to do A, B, C, D during the day. My day has to start at very early at 7 a.m. How come I'm awake at 4 a.m.? I'm tired. Then you go to bed. Do you know, it is your mind and your body. Can you imagine when you start praying? Your mind can make more noise than you can do with your palms. You see that your mind will start playing around. Making noise. We can't do this. What's this speaking in tongues thing? We are tired. Can you imagine? You can watch an Indian movie for a long time. Or a series for a long time. No, understand what I'm talking about. You can watch a series for a long time. And you are okay. Episode by episode. Episode by episode. You have an aim of finishing season two. Within some hours. And you are watching without blinking an eye. But when it comes to praying, there's a fight. Real fight. Yeah. So it's just to let you know what your real fight is. Okay? Your real fight is actually not with the devil living. It's primarily with your own self. With your own. The Bible says that we have crucified. It says that they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with this last thereof. That's the truth. That's in Galatians chapter 5. I think verse 26 or so. It says, but they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and last thereof. So in Christ, our flesh has been crucified with him. 
That is why Paul said, as for me, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That's in Galatians 2.20. Do you see? It is the reality in Christ. But you must appropriate it for yourself. By thinking like that. That, hey, my flesh. Let's look at that one. Galatians. The, let's look at the first one. Galatians chapter 5. I think verse 22. Look at Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Go to the next verse. Next verse. Okay. 24. It says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with their affections and lusts. Have you seen it? This is the reality of God's word. Let's read, let's read um, the Amplified. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. Are you for Christ? Are you, are you, you belong to Christ? Yeah. This is the reality of God in your life. This is the reality of God's word in your life. This is how God sees you. Now, it's up to you through the word of God to meditate on this, to make it a reality in your life. That's all. That is how to put the flesh down. When the flesh requests for, some, for something, your flesh is requesting for sex. Yeah, because there is part of it. It's lacking in your body. Your, your flesh is requesting for, for sex. What do you do? You start saying to yourself, ah, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't belong on this level. I don't belong on this level. I've crucified my affections with the last self in Christ. This is not my level. This is not what I go into. I'm different. The more you remind yourself of who you have become, you'll be surprised that that particular affection, that particular lust, will just leave. If you read in James, James chapter 1, let me show it to you. Go to James. And I'll come back to these things, okay? Let's read from um, from verse 13. <laughs> let no man say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own what? Lust and enticed. Then lust, then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Then he says, do not err, my beloved brethren. Have you seen it? Go back. Let's read it once again. From verse 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. In other words, all the, the temptations of evil are not from God. Neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he, the man, is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So you have to be careful of your own lust. I don't know if you get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's called the lust of the flesh. Or being carnal. He's talking about thoughts. Thoughts that come into your mind. And feelings that you have. The voice, your body has a voice. The voice of your body is your feelings. Do you see? Your feelings. The voice of your mind is your emotions. Do you see? So your, your body has, it has a voice. I feel this. I feel that. I, I'm feeling for sometimes... You can be eating and eating and eating and eating. And the Holy Spirit is telling you, stop what you're Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's interested in your body. This body of yours is actually the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not only your, your spirit, but your physical body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's interested in how you manage it. Because he's, he's, he needs your body for what he wants to be, to be done. 
in your life. So you are eating and eating and eating. He'll tell you, no, do it like this. Don't eat too much. He'll tell you, exercise. Yes, the Holy Spirit can tell you to exercise. Exercise. Do it for me. And then, oh, I'm too tired. Oh, this. Oh, that. Oh, that. So, he says, every man is tempted when he's run away of his own lust. So, you must cure yourself along that line. How? By recognizing what has been done in Christ. How difficult is that? It's just like every other thing. He says, those who are Christ have crucified their affections, their lusts and affections. You see, Galatians chapter 2, verse 24, amplified. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions, their passions in the body, and appetites and desires. So he says, don't be led by your passions and your appetites. Like the thoughts that come to your mind. Any thought at all that comes to your mind will be brought to fruition. It means that you are, your, your born again experience has not been explored at all in your life. And you are, you've not started, you don't understand what it means to be born again. To be born again means to make Jesus the Lord of your life. What it means is that what he says, Lordship has to do with he becoming your master. The Holy Spirit is now your master. What he says is what you do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What he says is what you do. It, go to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Let's read. Um, let's read from verse 1. I think it will make a very to, to help you. It says, And you has if quickened or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. Then he says, in the last of our flesh. So he says, that, it is, that is your past. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. In times past. In the last of our flesh. Then he says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. And were by nature the children of wrath. Even as others. This is how the flesh works. He says, it has desires. Desires of the flesh. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. They are desires of the flesh and of the mind. Desires of the body and of the mind. The mind tells you, oh, I want this. So someone can, a Christian can be in the system and uh, because of a phone, he or she will do very nasty things just to get an iPhone 11 Pro or something and not care. Do you see? Let's read. This amplified. It says, among these, verse, verse 3, among these, we, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated, dictated by our senses and our dark imaginations. Have you seen it? We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. Wow. But thank God you have been taken out of this. So verse 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, he loved us. Even when we're dead in sins, he says, He has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are he saved. So he's taking us out of this. So he doesn't expect you to go along these lines. So how do you not, do you not go along these lines? By learning to follow the Holy Spirit. So go back to Romans. Romans chapter 8. Remember, we pick it up from there. Romans chapter 8. We're in verse, um, I think verse 5. Romans 8, verse 5. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. I don't know if you understand this now. Then he says, But they that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. Let's read the Amplified. 
For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit, set their minds on, on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. So it starts with you setting your mind on the Holy Spirit. What it means is that recognizing, the, it means recognizing the Holy Spirit. You get it? Uh, you start recognizing the fact that he's there in my life. You start becoming conscious of it. He's there in my life. What is he there for? He's there to help me. He's there to comfort me. He's there to counsel me. He's there to bring wisdom, to make wisdom available to me when I need wisdom. He's there to reveal the word of God to me. He's there to help you for what? To help you in your finances. To help you in your, in your walk in God. I mean, to help you in every single thing. All the things I mentioned are things that the Holy Spirit is for you. You must start recognizing the fact that he's there. And then you must start noticing his leadership. His leadership. Go to the next verse. Let's read it to the King James. Then it says, for to be carnally minded is death. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is life. He's air and hence life. Without me, you can do nothing. So if, it says, being carnally minded is like closing your nose and closing your mouth in the spirit. You can't breathe. And what happens? Death is what will come. So it says, to be carnally minded is death. What does it mean to be carnally minded? To be fleshly minded. To have the flesh. To have things of no use. Okay? Okay, let me show you. Go to um, Colossians chapter 3. Let's read from, from verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is set on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Have you seen it? Yeah. Remember, the other one says, they have the affection on things of the flesh. Now he's telling you, set your affection on things of the spirit. Let's read the Amplified. The Amplified will help us. And set your minds... And keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. So your mind is key. I mean, how, what, what's, what goes on in your mind? You can catch yourself thinking. You know, sometimes you can catch yourself thinking, yeah, there you are, what am I thinking about? Then you, you, you remember, hey, I was thinking about, hey, what a shock. Maybe you were thinking about a movie that you watched. Can you imagine it's your meditation? And it goes into your dream. And you start seeing things. You say you are an actor. You are not an actor. You've been watching too many movies. It says, and set your minds and keep them set on what is above the higher things, not on the things around yet. Go to the next verse. And it says, for you are dead. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in the splendor of his glory. Verse 5. Let's read the Amplified. So kill, deaden, deprive of power, the evil desire lurking in your members. Those animal impulses and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin. Sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness. For that is idolatry. The deifying of self and other created things instead of God. For which things... Go to the next verse. It is on account of these very sins that the holy anger of God is coming, is ever coming upon the sons of disobedience. Those who are obstinately opposed to the divine will. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then it says, in which you also walked some time when you lived in them. Among whom also you once walked when you were living and addicted to such practices. 
Have you seen it? Yeah. But, oh, it's, it's nice. You can read it for yourself as you go home. But I want to show you, go back to verse 5. I want to show you this thing. And then show you how, you know, he, 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 how he helps you to put to death. Remember, Paul says, I beat my body and treat it roughly. He's talking about your spirit handling your body. Your spirit growing up to handle your body. Understand when I say your spirit growing up. Your spirit does not grow. He's talking about the growth, the spiritual growth. Growing enough to be able to handle your body. To manage yourself. So kill, deaden, deprive of power. Deprive of power. The evil desire lacking in your members. How do you do that? Go back to Romans. Romans chapter 8. You're going to like this. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just read verse 5, right? Yeah. Now, I want you to jump all the way to verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. He shall give life to your mortal body. By his spirit that dwelleth in you. Next verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. You see, the Holy Spirit is responsible for your new birth. And now everything good thing that, every good thing that is happening to you is you are not a debtor to the flesh to live after the flesh. Then he says, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Have you seen? He's talking about death again. If you live after the flesh, if you allow your flesh to lead you, the shame that will come to you will, will be unbearable. And you end up hanging yourself. That is the aim of the devil in your life. The aim of the devil is to get you to the point where you are so ashamed. Get you to the point where you feel you cannot be recovered and destroy you. That's, that's his aim. He says, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Then he says, but if ye through the Holy Ghost do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Look, let's read the Amplified. It's nice. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually put into death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live forever. So, the way to deaden and kill the deeds of the flesh is by deciding that I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. Like, it's a need. Because if you don't do this, you're going to die. Spiritually speaking, you're going to die. But I think you want to live. Yeah. You want to be aware and alert in the spirit. So that no demon hatch out of hell can touch you. No sickness hatch out of hell can touch you. Poverty cannot touch you. How is that going to happen? He says, if you through the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost. How does the power of the Holy Ghost work in your life? By recognizing it. Recognizing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And his leadership in your life. It's so important. That every day. You listen to him. You listen to him. Okay, now let me show you how, how the Holy Spirit leads us. Number one is through the word. The Holy Spirit leads us through the word of God. Through the word of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. So he speaks the word to you. He will speak the word to you. You will hear him talk to you. You combine the scriptures for you. He will remind you. It's his ministry to remind you of things that have been said. Of things that you've read in your Bible. Some people ask me questions. How do you remember the scriptures? I have learned to depend on the Holy Spirit. More than half of what I've said is not written in my notes. Wow. Sometimes when I'm coming to preach, I have just one statement in my notes. Most of the time, those of you, I've, I've shown my notes to so many people. Yeah. Almost all the time, I show my notes. Oh, this is my notes. 
I can preach a whole camp with just four sentences and preach for about 20 hours. Yes. Because I have learned to deposit myself to the Holy Spirit and allow him to remind me of scriptures. To re- it's, I depend on him. Before I come, I'm praying, dear Holy Spirit, you know the scriptures. You are the spirit of revelation. I'm depending on you. Remind me of your word. And amazing, when I stand there, normally I don't preach behind pulpits. It's online. That's why I'm up behind pulpits. I'm not behind pulpits. I don't have notes. I don't have anything. And you'll be surprised at how many scriptures will come. Sometimes I can preach and you can have 100, 200 scriptures coming. I'm not looking at anything. It's not because I'm a very wild shark. Like I'm so, I've learned the scripture. It's not like that, please. It's the Holy Spirit. I recognize his ministry to remind me of scriptures. I can be walking around. You can sit, I can be sitting behind the TV. And my mind is actually not on what they are doing. My mind is on the spirit. And he's reminding me, I'm having a spiritual discourse. Word of God discourse. He'll throw this word, this scripture into my mind. And throw this one into my mind. And throw this one into my mind. And I'm meditating, I'm thinking on it. Like, wow, I didn't see it like this before. <laughs> That's what happens to me. And it is not unique to me. It's not because I have, a, I have a special place with God. There's nothing like that. We are all his children. And this is his ministry towards all of us. His ministry is to remind us. Go to John chapter 14. I've read it so many times to you. John 14, 26. You see it. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and shall bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He shall, so he's into bringing things to your remembrance. Bringing things to your mind. That's his ministry. So if you recognize that and start depending on him for that, you'll be surprised. That you can be walking around and you will not have all the things that are around entering your mind. You will have scriptures from within entering your mind. You'll be, you'll, bring, you'll be throwing scriptures into your mind like that. There are two sources of thoughts. One from without and one from within. The Holy Spirit is within you and he brings thoughts to your mind. Instead of allowing all the thoughts that are around to be bothering you all the time. News. This one. This one you can think. You can watch CNN and be complaining and be thinking. And that doesn't profit. It says, if we are debtors not to live after the flesh, but after the spirit. Do you see? He says, he'll bring things to your mind. Go to to Ephesians 1, verse 17. So he leads us. He talks to us through the scriptures. I've told you before. Ephesians 1, 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So he's the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. He brings you wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. So he brings the scriptures to your mind, like I'm telling you now. He leads you through the word. Through the word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Through the word. That's the first thing. So when you open your Bible, don't just close your Bible and say, and today, what are we going to read? What are we going to read? Father, lead me. Then you open it. Pam. Then you see something. Okay, and Jesus wept. Then you also start weeping. <laughs> That's not it. You, before, you, before you go to your Bible, start talking to the Holy Spirit. Pray in the language of the Spirit. Talk to Him. Dear Holy Spirit, I want you to lead me. Teach me your word. Teach me your word. And you'll be surprised that you drop something into your spirit. Or you are better off getting a, a devotional. It's the easiest way out. Is that one that someone has been led by the Holy Spirit and he's documented some things for you. 
or set some five minutes of sorties there, you can get it and listen to it and be led. Take it seriously. Because the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to you through those scriptures that you are reading. It will bring things to your mind. He leads us. So sometimes you'll be doing something, the Holy Spirit will bring it to your mind. This is not who you are. Yeah, you bring it to your mind. This is not who you are. You are a different person. By a scripture. You bring a scripture to your mind. Yeah. First way he leads us. The devil does not, is not into bringing scriptures to your mind when you are going to do something wrong. <laughs> he is not into that. Bringing scriptures to your mind when you are going to do something wrong. Like when I go, then you bring a scripture that will counter what you are going to do. No. That's what the devil. That, that is the Holy Spirit. You see. That's the first way he leads us. The second way he leads us is through the inward witness. The inward witness. You just perceive things. Romans 8 verse 16. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 16. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are, the, we are children of God. He bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's his ministry, to bear witness. Let's really amplify it. The Spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. So he does something called testifying and assuring you of things, spiritual things. Do you see? So he'll bring perceptions to you. That, oh, this thing is me. And you make you confident in it. This is me. You just don't know why, but you just know that this is what you're supposed to do. You just don't know why. You just know that this is what... There's, there's this man of God who um, is a counselor. You know, he's into counsel, counseling people. And he has a ministry as well. So he has sons and daughters and all of that. And uh, there are ten marriages he told... He, he said they should not marry or they should wait. And they went ahead to marry you know, 10 of them, and all of them have not worked. All of them have gone out. You know, and he'll tell you, it's not because I heard a very loud voice. Hey, tell them not to go. I just, he says, I, I just perceived that we should not go. They should not go. I just felt within me that this, these people should not go ahead. And they went ahead. One of them, one of the people said that, Daddy, I'm sorry to to rebel against you and to go against you. But we have heard from God and we are going to marry. Their marriage lasted for one and a half years. Yeah. Perceptions. As the Holy Spirit, as, as you go through the word, you start developing. The Bible says that the spirit of man is a candle of the Lord. So he bears witness with your spirit to lead you in life. Look at Acts chapter 27 verse 9. Paul had a very beautiful experience along this line. Verse 9. Acts 27 9. It says, now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Says, I perceive that this voyage will be with heads and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. You know, Paul was traveling. He was being taken to Rome. And the skies looked very good. Everything was fine. You know, they were going by ship. Was, there was a centurion or a soldier who, was, who had rescued him and was taking him to Rome. And they were going to board the ship. And Paul said that, I perceive. I just feel that we shouldn't go right now. Like, prisoner, what are you talking about? You are a prisoner, what are you saying? They didn't mind him. And the Bible says, moreover, the skies were... Go to the next Go to verse 12. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, 
losing them is sealed close by Crete. But not long after there, not long after they arose against it, a tempestuous wind called Euroclidon, which the, the, this wind had a name. It was so wild that it had a name. It destroyed the ship, everything. They lost everything, just as Paul, Paul had said earlier. Paul didn't say that the Holy Ghost is saying to me, like I can hear a voice, an audible voice. No, he didn't say that. He said, I perceive. He says, I perceive. I can perceive. I can. There's a feeling within. My spirit is bearing witness with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is bearing witness with my spirit. It's a witness. Just like the way you know you are born again. You just know. You, you don't need anything in heaven to let you know that you are born. You just know that today, if you should die, you are going to heaven. You just know. That same knowing is the knowing the Holy Spirit brings to you. You just know that you should not travel. One man of God told one of his sons not to travel. You know, He was running away from his wife. And his father told him, he called his father and said, oh, I want to travel to this place. The father said, don't go. Stay. He said, oh, I'll go. And he start, sparked the sky and started going. As he was going, he passed what, the first city, the third city. As he was approaching the fourth city, his tires exploded. Two tires exploded at once. Boom! Like that. And he almost died. And then he called the father and knelt down and said, I'm so sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. Then he asked him, should I come back to Accra? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Father and the Lord didn't have any uh, spiritual revelation. He just perceived that you should not go. Don't go. I just, I don't know, I, I feel it within. It's not, it's not like you feel. It's not feeling. It's a knowing from within. The Holy Spirit leads you with knowings. Knowings. Maybe we share somewhere along these lines. Knowings. Okay? Then through visions and dreams, that's the next thing. He leads you through visions and dreams. Acts chapter 2, verse 15 and 18. And he also leads you through prophecy. Prophecy. So these three, through visions, dreams, prophecy. Okay? And all of that is written here. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is by the third hour of the day. This was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came and they were speaking in tongues. The people came and said, these people are drunk. And Peter rose up and said that they are not drunk like you suppose. But this is that which, is, which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That's the first thing. As a result of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it says your sons and daughters shall prophesy. It didn't say they shall go to prophets. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the gift of prophecy that is in every Christian. You see, that's what I'm talking about. The gift of prophecy that's in every Christian. The simple gift of prophecy that is called speaking forth. Speaking in language of the Spirit and speaking forth revelations from God. If you speak in tongues in long enough, you will see yourself speaking in your own language. Things that you are supposed to do. You have vision. It will come as a prophecy. It will come as a word. Sometimes I'll be praying tongues. As we are deep in, like I was telling you the last time, drinking of the Spirit, you see that words will start babbling out of your mouth. Yeah. I'm going somewhere. Maybe you have been, you were discouraged. But as you're praying in tongues, the word that came is, I'm going somewhere. My life is not ordinary. My life is not useless. I'm going somewhere. The life of God is in me. I'm going somewhere. Maybe you were struggling with finances and you were praying in tongues. As you're praying in tongues, it will just come. Prosperity is mine. He became poor so that I, through his poverty, might become rich. The Lord is, the Holy Spirit is using the scriptures 
that are coming out of your mouth to encourage you. That's how he leads us. Hallelujah. Visions. He says, and your sons, your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. Visions. The images you see whilst you are praying. Sometimes you are praying, close your eyes, and then you start seeing visions. You start seeing visions. I've, I see visions a lot. I'm almost always seeing visions. Imaginations that come to my mind. The Holy Spirit throws imaginations to my mind. Let's me know this building is going to work. This one is going to work. Sometimes I see myself walking in certain places, walking in certain buildings. And I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. The more I speak in tongues, the more I'm drawn to that place. The more visions I have. We are not talking about, there are different types of visions. We have open visions. We have trances and all of that. Next, next time we'll talk about it. But I'm talking about the simple ability to see with the mind of your eye, the eye of your mind. It's called imagination. The Lord brings imaginations to you. If you don't pray in tongues, you'll be blind. Spiritually speaking. As you speak in tongues, your eyes are open. Sometimes you speak in tongues and the Lord will show you this lady is not good for you. God will show you. you see that there's something wrong. You just don't know why, but there's something wrong. This person is dangerous. Don't go along this person. Don't go along this line. Don't, don't flow along this line. Go here instead. You just see it. It just comes to you. If you pray in tongues long enough, you see it coming to you. And then dreams. Dreams. Not useless dreams. The Lord will show you good dreams. <laughs> it's the last thing he will use, but then he does use it. And your sons, your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Then he leads you with the audible voice of God. He can talk to you like that. He can speak to you like he spoke to you. There are so many scriptures I can quote for you along this line. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is the air that we breathe. The Holy Ghost who leads and guides us for us to grow up spiritually. So we can grow away from all the foolishness and grow towards what he has designed for us to grow towards. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.